Hi, welcome to the Giverji podcast. I'm Ben, Giverji COO. And for those of you who don't know who we are, we're fundraising experts who provide fundraising technology and consultative advice for organisations looking to raise more at events and online. We're really excited to share our fundraising best practices, tips and tricks through this medium. So sit back and enjoy the show. In today's episode, we will be continuing our new podcast series based around thought leadership that invites game changers from the industry to share their stories, inspire charities to think differently, be bolder and look for new ways to fundraise. COVID-19 has thrown up a plethora of challenges for the nonprofit sector. However, difficult times often allow for new ideas to be heard. And we're hoping to explore some of these today with Lou Lai today. Now, Lou has been working for the For Good space for 12 years <laughs> and is now Transformation Director at Manifesto, exploring how it is possible to harness technology to drive change. And Lou is also the co-founder of Fem Mentored, a space for women from the social impact sector to learn from each other, support each other and share their challenges and experiences. As well as all of that, <laughs> Lou was also the first woman of colour to be appointed to the board of Blood Cancer UK. I don't know how she has the time, but we're so excited to have you we're here with us today. Hi, Lou, how are you doing? Hi, Ben. Yeah, I'm really, really well. I'm super excited to be here. Well, I'm just thinking about that opener. I'm like, I feel like I'm at the Oscars again. It's like, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love your point. I don't know how you find the time. And I often contemplate that in most days. Like, oh, have I got time for all of this stuff? But, you know, you make it work if you if you want to do it, right? Absolutely. Well, if you if you want to make it work and you're passionate like you are, so 100%. Okay, so the, today's date is the 25th of June. We're in the United Kingdom. And, you know, it's different in every country. But we're hoping to come out of full lockdown, well, they're not leaving lockdown, restrictions um, soon. But how have you found the pandemic time? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a big question, isn't it? I think probably the same as, as lots of other people, right? It's been a massive roller coaster for me individually on a personal level and on a professional level from kind of real extremes of like actually fairly difficult family losses that were made harder because you're separated from family and friends. So, you know, that whole kind of grieving process just isn't normal. You almost feel like you've missed out on that opportunity. So there's been some kind of real challenges. I know so many people have been affected by by loss over the last year. And then kind of like honestly, some some positives that we're holding on to, you know, feeling connected to our local community, definitely spent more time talking to neighbours than I ever had in, in the years that I've lived in London. Cause that's just not the done thing, right? But back home it would be. So, you know, meeting your community, your neighbours, speaking to family and friends definitely more than ever and I know everyone was a bit like zoomed and video called out but actually we we carried on like still doing a video call with like family mainly parents who aren't you know don't live in in London where we are so you know finding that balance and 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 I guess like maintaining perspective you know everyone's going through their own journey in in the pandemic and, and knowing what your your journey is acknowledging your privilege and how lucky you might be compared to other people and I think just holding on to those positives is what sort of gets you through and, and you know you keep on trucking and, and you build that sort of support network um, around you so yeah in a word a roller coaster like everyone else <laughs> and I suppose the other question is you go you go two ways during Covid you either become borderline alcoholic or you may have gone crazy with fitness but what what which route did you go down <laughs> <laughs> my god I I mean literally you've described 
part A for six months where it was like, oh, the novelty of Zoom fitness classes. Like, honestly, it was a saviour for me. It gave me a reason, A, to stop working, right? Because when you've got nothing to do, you you know, and, and again, you know what you're saying, if you feel passionate about what you do, you know, you, sort of, you could carry on. You could almost be working 24 hours because it's there in your home and you've got nothing else to do. So like my, my F45 virtual classes from the team in Brixton were like an absolute godsend and you know, really, yeah, really gave me energy. And so, yeah, like I think I only had two hangovers last year, which was, um, you know, a, a real thing. You know, I definitely didn't turn oh. to the alcohol straight away. But then when we got to sort of winter, less classes, it was a bit cold. The mold cider and wine, you know, you were kind of like, right, we're just going to bunker down. So let's let's enjoy this and start introducing cocktail nights, you know, on a Thursday and Friday. Why not? Or a Monday. <laughs> or, or a Monday lunchtime, you know, whatever suits. <laughs> Love it. Oh, it's so funny. Everyone, everyone's gone into such different journeys, but at least, at least we're kind of hopefully coming out the, the the other side as well. Now, like like I mentioned, you've you've been in the for good sector for twelve years. But for our listeners, what has been your journey? Like you know, from virtually day dot to to where you are today. How how has that happened? Uh, yeah, and then like in terms of like I guess if we say the pure like sort of for good social space like. I started life as a volunteer youth worker in in my hometown, Corby, which, you know, for many years was actually left really deprived with the closure of a major kind of employer, British Steel. So, you know, it left like quite a lot of deprivation in the town. So, you know, it felt like, you know, a lack of opportunity, access to education, lots of stuff. So, you know, I was really passionate about sort of supporting children and young people because you know if you can sort of encourage and empower them at a young age like hopefully you can have a bit more of a, a positive impact in the future and you know I'm, I'm so proud of my hometown and you know it always will be my home and and it has the biggest heart and community spirit I've ever seen anywhere you know there was always like a fundraiser happening or an event you know whether it was for the local hospice or like a bigger sort of race for life thing you know that was the community spirit like that's how I grew up so I just assume that's what we all did you just around yeah exactly so yeah it kind of started in uh, as a youth worker and I was also doing marketing and then yeah sort of 12 years ago a job came up at Bernardo's you know huge children's charity in in Barkinside you know the sort of heritage there which sort of in their fundraising team and it kind of brought together the whole marketing stuff that I'd studied and was doing in in my day job as uh, industrial hardware you know as you do windows and doors I learned a lot of things that will stand against in the future changing door handles and windows um, really practical stuff so you know who would have thought I'd blend that whole kind of marketing side and actually the stuff that I care about and you know what that was 12 years ago and I've kind of never looked back since like that was it for me it was like wow I didn't know I could do this because you know you don't necessarily and I, you know I don't think our, our sector it always has that sort of prevalence of oh it's an exciting sector to be part of you know it's a real career pathway you know you really will get so much out of it you know we're competing with lots of like maybe slightly well-paid like sort of finance sectors and stuff so yeah you know that that was it really you know from Bernardo's to sort of you know agency side you know I've always worked with with kind of not-for-profit and organizations like I'm so like I just care about actually doing a really great great piece of work or a campaign or a strategy or something that's going to deliver impact and you know and that led me to manifesto a, a year and a half ago to transformation director which everyone loves the title it's like what does it mean and I was like it means everything and nothing and that's okay you know we're just transforming yeah. stuff we're making change you know and, and that's it 
I also feel like, you know, if you do you remember that program, Extreme Makeover? Yeah, yeah. I feel like it could also like there's probably somebody there called the transformation director. <laughs> and, and they might have more practical tools in their tool belt, whereas I have, you know, Venn diagrams and Google Slides and, you know, all of that stuff. They have, you know, proper like hardware that's going to actually physically change something. Yes, yeah, so slight, slight differences, but <laughs> and, and for our listeners as well, can you just tell us, tell us about Manifesto? What does Manifesto do and, and, and what, as a transformation director, kind of what do you do for them as well? Yeah, so, I mean, we describe ourselves as an experienced technology and in, in change agency. Like, you know, the heritage is is, is digital and, and technology and, and using that to basically drive positive change. And that's kind of why they work actually with quite a lot of not-for-profit, you know, third sector organisations, because it has to have kind of positive change at, at the heart of it. You know, we're not necessarily working at a, a different end where we're thinking about sort of consumer products and stuff. Like, actually, it's all about... Um, affecting positive change so there's a huge huge group of people you know creators we've got UXers UI tech developers front-enders digital fundraisers you know we've got the whole plethora and the idea being that let's create really great digital products services strategies and experience that are going to help organizations fulfill their goals so that's kind of what it does I guess how it manifests itself in in day to day and I guess in my role so it was a new role when I joined a year and a half ago and it was ultimately to bring about supporting change within the not-for-profit sector specifically and you know the the working hypothesis being is actually you know how can we support organizations to be fit for the future you know 21st century organizations you know actually if I think back to Bernardo's and I work you know it's 150 years old you know actually are they set up for the future in the right way and and you know what role does digital and technology play in that also you know the wider sort of ecosystem of of the organization so my role is is kind of to facilitate that to support those conversations to to partner with organizations and kind of deliver those kind of programs as well as day-to-day we're running digital fundraising campaigns for charities we're building websites we're building products you know the whole kind of shebang and that that's what's really great because every day hence this week has been a real hybrid of, of different things and that's what I love I love it. It's, is, it, is Manifesto just UK focused or does it also operate in other regions? Uh, yeah, it's UK focused, but we're part of a publicly listed um, group called the Panopoly. So we do have kind of, we've got a part of the organisation who are based in Bulgaria, who provide sort of tech resources and skills. So at the moment, I would say we're predominantly sort of working with UK based organisations and all kind of, you know, Manifesto is very much the experience division of our, our brand and working in that not for profit space. And we do lots of stuff with the NHS, local authorities, you know, that kind of public sector Space is very much our heartland of, of where we work. Yeah. Okay, and throw one in there for Manifesto. Could you think of an example where you know something that's quite exciting that you may have done in terms of this, the, the transformation side of it? Have you got a specific campaign that you might? I don't know if you're allowed to. You might be able to talk about <laughs> where, where it's gone and where it is now. Yeah, I mean it's interesting because we work at so many different levels. So I guess there's probably two. I would say examples of where we've helped. I'd say organisations like sort of adapt and pivot in in the pandemic. And so the first one would be the Royal British Legion, who, you know, have a huge cohort of supporters. And so much of what they do in supporting communities is that sort of face to face piece, whether that is literally sort of 
service delivery, you know, they're, they're working with the sort of the community who've been, you know, who need support from the Royal British Legion and they do huge events face to face, whether that be the Poppy Appeal where, you know, we've got swords of, of volunteers who are out there kind of, you know, selling poppies yeah. and, and raising money. And so you can imagine that, oh, wow, okay, we literally can't do any of these things. Like, what what are we going to do? And that, you know, presented a huge risk for the organisation. So we were able to to partner with them and really think about how digital and technology could kind of support them and, and transform potentially those experience so we were able to there was a project that um we created and we're kind of in the next phase of, of what what that looks like in terms of rolling out and scaling up is is a virtual field of remembrance so if we can't get people somewhere where they can physically lay a cross or something to remember a loved one or someone you know who who's passed you know and has been affected by that how do we recreate that so we literally built a virtual field of remembrance so it was a digital experience we used kind of sort of gaming technology 3.js to kind of build that experience and sort of trying to transport people kind of like immerse them in, in that experience and, and also you know you know they could you know leave a message you know it, you could feel like you were part of something that was happening in, in a, a digital world you know and at a later date you know they they would be transposed into a physical thing but you know allowing people to still have those experience and using digital and technology to do that was really really you know it was great to sort of support an organization and be part of of that journey so yes that's a, a really great example that was just like wow how what how do we do this and suddenly it's like cool you just bring a load of people who know what they're doing do some research about digital technology platforms think about the users and and make sure that it makes sense as a digital experience that's 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 such a cool idea isn't it i mean you know we've always got virtual events and all the things that we've, we've now learned <laughs> over the last 18 months yeah. <laughs> That, that's such a that's such a nice way to do it because you, you're right. I suppose so many people can't can't get out there and, and lay that cross or wear that poppy or do the things that you know, and especially in British culture, poppy you know poppy day or Remembrance Day is so pivotal, isn't it? So being able to do that is that's such a good idea. So yeah, hats off on that one. That's I love that. I love that example. And the, yeah, the other definitely. way to go just to delve into is also femme mentored as well. What yes. what is femme mentored? How does it start? <laughs> Tell us the story. Okay, I mean, and it's uh, it sort of started about two years ago in the making, right? There's always a backstory, isn't there, to something? Oh, yes. So, two years ago, I was lucky enough to to mentor a woman called Cam. Um, she works at the British Red Cross, and it was part of a speaking contest, which is I wish I'd thought of that, which is run by the great folks at Sophie and Open Creates. There's lots of people there, and it's people auditioning and they they present kind of an idea they wish they thought of like in our sector a fundraising idea so it's a really great platform and part of that is supporting kind of new people in the sector or, or people who aren't experienced presenters to, to be part of that and and if you are selected you'll get paired with someone and the stars must have aligned that day because I got paired with Cam to support her and that was two years ago naturally she won the speaking contest because she is amazing and i was so honored to be part of that journey and at the end of it we were both like kind of want to carry on do, do you because this has been so rewarding and you know I, I really kind of i didn't realize i didn't have this thing that i didn't know what i maybe needed or benefited benefited from so it sort of 
came out of that a couple of years ago and so sort of back end of last year kind of talking to lots of women in the sector we you know we did a survey on LinkedIn and got you know a load of people that we know to kind of complete it and talk about actually as women in the for good space you know we represent quite a huge proportion of the workforce in in this space do you think that you would benefit from something like this? Because actually, you know, we have a couple of other people that we've spoken to have, and we feel like there's a gap here. And sort of last December, basically, we launched Fair Mentor, and it's completely digital. It doesn't rely on face-to-face interactions. Of course, that will be part of it in, in the future. So it's, you know, it's a digital platform where, and by platform, I kind of mean we're using email, social yeah. media, and Zoom, right? And hop in occasionally, depending on what we want to do. And, and it's a space for people to connect with women in their sort of sphere feel supported, champion, challenge, cheerlead, all of those things that everyone told us they were missing out on and that they don't know where to go for that. So, and we've got a really lovely Slack community. So we launched that last December and we've been running monthly and virtual lunch events. So it's kind of, we have a topic, we invite speakers, from our sector and we support them. So if if people are a bit nervous about public speaking, we'll kind of pair them up with someone to kind of help them build their confidence and get their content right. And then we sort of have breakout sessions and you get to just meet some women that you probably would never meet if we didn't have this. And then kind of six weeks ago, we launched our first mentoring program. So we've paired 160 women together with a mentor for a three month pilot program. And, you know, it was, definitely a manual process we're going to digitize it a bit more in the the future but you know going through everyone's kind of you know what are they looking for what experience do they want from a mentor and and vice versa what are the mentors looking out of this relationship so yeah it's been a bit of a whirlwind and been so well received and you know it's all volunteer based as in there's me and my co-founder Rebecca Elkham who's doing this and we just in our spare time we plan events we bring people together we talk on Slack. We've got a really lovely Slack community of, of women. And yeah, we're going to see what happens. And in the making, we'd love, we're thinking about maybe doing like a Fem Mentor Festival this year, and maybe like a virtual all day thing and have some different streams. So that's our ambition. Yeah. So that's kind of the story of, of Fem Mentored. And it, it brings me so much joy. You leave that, that lunchtime session, you're like, oh, so many wonderful women and I'm so happy to get to know them and, and make connections. Oh, it, it's so lovely as well to see, you know, you're talking about it with such pride and an honour to be able to talk about all the people. I feel like I feel like it could be also FemFest. Oh my <laughs> God, thank you. I've been thinking about alliteration and how do I like make this a thing? Thank you, Ben. You Copyright. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, but that's such, amazing, that's such amazing leadership as well and to be able to do that, you know, completely off your own back and and from also being mentor, mentoring another person, then it growing into what it, it was. That's, that's unbelievable. So again, amazing that you're that you're doing that. And you have to. I mean, where do you find the time? I don't know where you find the time for all of this. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I'm viciously efficient um, because I've spent many years working in agencies, right, in in client services where you're you have to be organ. You know, so I'm. You know, it's a lot of self discipline. And do you know what? It, it is time at the weekends. It's time in the evenings, and maybe because you know we have been in a pandemic where actually you know for so so many trenches it was in lockdown. So you know the sort of the other routes to creativity or, you know, building connections, you know, wasn't necessarily there. So it fulfilled like quite a big part of of staying in touch and feeling connected to, to the sector. And I like I still to this day 
feel like the last year I've never felt more connected to people who work in our space whether that be on Twitter, you know, LinkedIn's like a whole new world now. It's not just job, job advert, job advert. It's like, oh, I've got this really interesting article or doing this kind of virtual event. You know, it's really, really interesting. And I, I've really enjoyed it. And and yeah, so I guess it's fair time and, you know, carving out bits to when you can to sort of invest in it if you're passionate about it. Oh, definitely. And just with the mentor, have you found, you know, you're interacting with so many different professionals there from, from so many different roles. Would you say within the sector, sorry, the people you are supporting, do you think they they generally feel that it is getting better in terms of diversity? And and do they do they feel that they're getting the support they need to be really good leaders? It's really interesting, and and quite a lot of women when we sort of first did our kind of survey and that's kind of what drove the the programming to be honest of the different things like well this is what you told us this is what we're going to do and actually confidence you know building confidence resilience the whole kind of imposter syndrome there's a lot of women returning from maternity in slightly different shaped roles or or access to opportunities and so like I, I wouldn't say that we're where we need to be in terms of equal opportunities and diversity you know there's so many things bubbling away in in the surface of the sector right now that are, are really spotlighting where there are big big challenges and you know the recent I guess the you know the stuff in the, in the last couple of weeks around you know the Chartered Institute of Fundraising the handling of those sort of um, cases you know, it's really challenging for for the survivors and and you know having a voice in the platform and feeling safe to work in our sector so I kind of yeah I still feel like we've got a long way to go and I think what we're trying to do is is with Fementored is is build that community of support and allyship and and be there for women and you know help tackle stuff that maybe is challenging for some people to talk about and you know provide a platform for these conversations and it is all about an open conversation you know it's about educating ourselves and feeling like you know you're supported to to kind of fulfill you know the opportunities that that you want. No, definitely. And would you say for other leaders out there, because, you know, hopefully there's lots of people that listen to this podcast and there'll, there'll be lots of different types of people. You know, have you got any advice for them as leaders that might be able to, to help them think a little bit differently in terms of the way they approach things? Yeah, I mean, I guess there's there's so many layers to that. One of the things that we we definitely sort of talk about is having a voice and and making sure that it, it's equal access to influencing decisions being part of decision making you know if you're an affected party by something that you get the opportunity to have a say and i think so much of the the leadership is is around sort of removing a sense of ego and this is not saying everyone has got an ego but actually it's like what's right for the organization yes i'm in a leader actually how do i sort of be the change that potentially the sector might need to see. So, you know, inviting, you know, inclusive conversations, really thinking about lived experiences. So when we're talking about policies that might affect, say, women, that women are part of the conversation or fundraisers, you know, fundraisers are part of the conversation, you know, really making sure that you're open to actually representing the the different communities you're talking about, whether that be internally or externally, if you're sort of providing a charitable output. Yeah, no, t- totally agree. And thank you for that one. So a part of obviously your role is um, transformation director. And do you think for you know, for the third sector, we're in, we're in a funny place, aren't we? Because we've, you know, the sector has been through what it's been through over the years and, and everyone's fighting to, you know, to raise as much money as possible and do as much as they possibly can. And I felt before COVID in many countries as well, many charities, you know, you've got so many out there that are like, 
that we're thinking, I think I need to get a bit digital, but I might stick to, you know, what we've always known. And then COVID for many has kind of done, oof, it's kind of done a big push, even for us, even Givergy, a tech company has gone, wow, this is the future. But do you think it is necessary to to transform and try to be more digital now for the third sector? Yeah, 100%. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying there. I think, you know, it was definitely sort of bubbling around for a long time. And I think it was it was challenging for organisations because it became this sort of abstract thing around, oh, digital or, or, or what does that mean? And it's kind of like, actually, what it means is just it's a big enabler for you to actually achieve your goals. And I think the last year kind of accelerated lots of challenges or potentially underinvestment or infrastructural capabilities that just allow you to actually kind of harness digital technology to to its maximum, you know, sort of, I guess, the impact that it could have your organization. It's not necessarily about huge investment in big kind of digital estates and platforms and bespoke things, but actually it's just thinking about how could this help us kind of achieve our goals and, and what role does it have to play and I just like it's it's non-negotiable and I think you know there are behaviors there are I guess sort of opinions of digital that will stay with our audiences forever like those behaviors the adoptions for different technologies you know there is a huge cohort of you know older audiences who you know weren't using technology in the same way as as, as other generations and actually last year force that with sort of bank you know accessing amenities like banking and, and stuff like yeah. that so you know getting something printed at the post office you know suddenly it's like how do we do this oh qr codes you know all of these things and i think that behavior will remain and those 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 sort of technology adoptions uh, of audiences will remain so actually it's like you you just got to be part of that uh, as your brand and, and offer a, a really great experience yeah and and, and i think to, to add to it as well it's it's seeing it as an opportunity. What, what's happened is, in my opinion, a massive opportunity for a charity because those, you, you know, you know, you've been in the industry for years. You'd have, you would try to push change or especially digitally. And sometimes you might have the board that are like, mm, no, you know, our donors don't like this and our donors like that. And I think now it's gone, actually, everyone now, nearly everybody has a smartphone. Everybody, nearly everybody's having to use an app and all the things you've just said. I think if you sit there and go, this is an opportunity, if we actually grab it by the horns, this could push our charity forward rather than seeing it as, oh, God, this means I've got to do more. <laughs> Would you agree? <laughs> it, it can't be an inconvenience to innovating and adapting and, and all of those things. And yeah, like 100%, I think, you know, the things you know, there is no going back. And I don't think we need to go backwards. I don't think we need to kind of try and recreate what we used to have. It is about embracing this as a huge opportunity and to sort of, you know, think about an organisation that's a bit more kind of fit for the future and what role does, does digital and technology have to play in that? Like, I think it's really, really important. Yeah, definitely. And, it's, and I think the one thing it adds as well is that, and I've, I've said this on a couple of the podcasts, is I think charities now as well have an opportunity because they also need to try and get involved with millennials and with all the different generations. And I, I also feel that with digital, with the way that we've gone, there is a chance for some charities that may not have been there before in terms of the digital side or even online presence to actually go, okay, it's time to attract. Because obviously that's that's the future of fundraising in a sense. So there's the same with it, but you, you know where I'm going with it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, it definitely it, it increases the audience pool. It increases the opportunity to reach and speak and influence and engage 
so many different audiences. And I think the challenge will be is what are those audiences actually want to do? Why would they be connected to your cause? You know, what are you as a brand enabling, empowering them to be part of? And I think it is not about kind of, okay, well, we'll just translate what we used to do and just put it on the internet and and that'll be okay and we'll just talk to more people or, or younger audiences. It's like actually, you know, this is this is time for recalibration of the like you say, the future audiences, you know, what what does that mean for your organization and how can digital and technology allow you to connect with them? But also like it's meaningful connections. It has to be two way. They have to get something out of it. They have to feel like their engagement with you, any touch point is, you know, it's enhancing their values and their purpose because ultimately that's what the you know so many of these amazing charity organizations that that's what they're there for you know they're supporting communities no totally right and when we first met you told us a little story about shelter can you just explain the shelter journey and how that came to be and 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 obviously again what what happened so again there's some questions i've got around that one yeah no definitely and this was in light of preparing for actually a talk we did um, last week at, at Manifesto around innovation, it was about a, a chatbot and, and that was, was the outcome of a design sprint. And, you know, we use kind of Google design sprints to basically condense efforts for innovation from months into days. So it's a really kind of great framework for, for innovating, particularly for, for not-for-profit so that, you know, ultimately, you know, it creates culture, it upskills people and it, it allows you to sort of innovate within risk. You know, you're not spending months and months, years and years coming up with loads of things and then you realise, oh God, we can't afford this or it's never going to pay back the money that it would take to invest in it. So it was very much the, the output of an innovation design sprint designed to support homeless people affected by homelessness, particularly sort of young people. And, you know, the, the biggest thing from that was that it was designed and tested with users. Young people were brought into to the design print and they were sort of, you know, able to test the, the workable sort of digital prototypes, and, you know, be part of refining this because ultimately we're designing for the users. We're not designing for us. We It needs to be mm-hmm. the right thing for them. So, you know, it's very much around the sort of how do you innovate in, in our space and how can things like design sprints help you kind of do stuff quickly, see if it works. If it doesn't, that's okay. And you've not spent loads of months and, and, and resource and, and investment on it. You've learned something at the end of it. And that's so much around the sort of the concept of how we sort of support organizations with, with innovation. And with the, with the chatbot as well, what, what does that mean? What did it, if you could just briefly just tell us about the experience. If, if I went to said chatbot, what would, what would happen if I was a person that, that maybe needed support? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, it was a way to kind of triage young people to get them to access to the services they need. So it's kind of like it's a conversational interface that allows you to basically sort of answer a number of questions or identify yourself and your needs so that it can direct you to where you need to go in terms of help. So it's very much that that kind of, yeah, like I said, conversational kind of interface that just helps people get to where they want to go quickly rather than trying to find loads of information on the internet you know also thinks about the kind of device that they're on not everyone has access to a laptop or a desktop particularly people who are potentially at risk of homelessness so it was was finding a solution that worked for their circumstances and you know 
and that's something that we're you know we're we're looking at a lot at the moment we've got someone who's leading all of our conversational ai practice so you know it's a really exciting time for thinking about how that could support organizations from you know at that very far end right that service delivery you know actually you know working with people who are benefiting from your charitable services right the way up to could it triage someone who's trying to find some health information on on your website you know or, or make a donation you know there are so many different ways that it can sort of support yeah wow <laughs> I mean, it's awesome. and i suppose what, what i'm thinking here is is that for, for most most of the listeners and, and worldwide but obviously the biggest part of charities is actually small to medium it's not the as i i i may be using the wrong word so as i call them power brands you know the, these charities that you, it can be anywhere in the world that like, oh, i know exactly what you're talking about but for, for a smaller charity that might be listening to this podcast thinking well that sounds absolutely epic and actually it could i'm sure i'm thinking already so many charities who are doing direct work you could so reduce the call centers or the the different routes because you can then field all those questions but i suppose it could feel a bit scary thinking oh my god where would we start and also i might need crazy amount of funding is there any advice that you could give to smaller charities on a way that that maybe this might be possible to them i, I don't know what, what's your thoughts on that yeah i mean definitely and and actually the reality is we work with all shapes and sizes of, of organizations you know they have very different kind of challenges or opportunities or strategies and, and budgets right you know we we literally were just about to start working with a really small hospice and um, to help look at their sort of digital ecosystem think about that web experience to basically support kind of local fundraising because really they've got a sort of almost like a restricted area in which they can fundraise in for their hospice. So how do we make that digital experience really effective for them? And, you know, so much of what we're doing is we're, we're building that digital experience, but we're also, you know, we're committed to transferring skills and knowledge in the process so that the value and the imprint of our kind of project is more than just a tangible kind of digital product. It is actually a lasting knowledge that lives and breathes on in that organization. So I guess to sort of go back to, you know, where do they start? You know, there's it's kind of like it's it's not all about the core new thing right it's not about oh that that looks really interesting should we be doing that it's like actually well why do you exist where are your users and your audiences like thinking about your digital capabilities you know there's really really great like capability and maturity models that are accessible you know they're not kind of like patented that you can sort of plot around where you are as an organization and then you know where do you want to be and then you know off the back of that comes like a really kind of clear of I guess digital roadmap to how that might be and that could be literally a simple again I was talking to a really small organization who support children and young people with with learning difficulties in a really small area a couple of weeks ago was just talking about Google grants and making sure that you're getting the basic stuff and that you're accessing the digital kind of tools that are available to you and thinking about how those different platforms can do different things for you whether that's Cool. Well, there's a behavior where people are fundraising for their birthdays and they're using Facebook. You don't need to invest in any technology. What you need to think about is actually, have we got this set up so it, people can fundraise for us? And what's our process for like, you know, sort of consolidating and thinking about the data we might get back, but not overthinking that it's all about getting that into your CRM. What it is about is a community of people who are doing something really great. You just need to make sure that you can do that. So you've got a whole spectrum of different things that you could be doing. And it's not about, well, so-and-so charity is doing this. Should we be doing that? It's like, actually, in our world, our digital maturity is here. And if we get to here, 
that's a really great step change for us because that's the journey we on and that won't be really expensive it will be thinking about off the shelf products open source products like you know you know we tend to do a lot of you know builds on wordpress which is an open source platform that runs most most websites in the world you know and it's it's really easy to use you know it's all about easy to use it's not making stuff expensive if it doesn't need to be because we know and obviously even more so in the mm. last year like resources are tight people might not have made their you know made their targets from their budgets might have had to restructure and downsize their teams you know so every penny really does continue to count so you know working out where you're going to have the most impact is how you're going to identify where you could sort of be scaling up a little bit in, in some different areas of, of the program I think that's it's such good advice there as well because, like you said, it's you've kind of got to celebrate what you do achieve as well, isn't it? Because I think that's the thing we all we do it as humans, don't we? You compare, you look, and you go, "Well, yeah. her, oh, that garden's nice. Oh, I think I need I need an artificial lawn." You do, you do, even though I didn't last week, it's it's just a natural thing that we do. But I think you're right. It's kind of maybe going, "Okay, remove that noise." Let's just let's just look at what we we're doing and what more we could do to achieve. And it might be you know, little steps that are getting you there and celebrating them. And I think that's a, a really good takeaway from that is rather than going, actually, we need to go, you know, how we need to really go for it, completely change everything, get loads, spend loads of money, actually just really like do a rewind in a sense and go, what do we actually need to achieve? Is, yeah. is, it, is it so, so important? Definitely. And absolutely, you know, let's take inspiration from the sector. And if someone's doing something, it's like, rather than saying, how do we replicate that? And actually, you know, fast follow innovation strategy is definitely a legitimate tactic to go for. But actually, you know, if you see someone doing something and they're not a like for like competitor, whether that be brand size, all of those things, but actually, what could we learn from that? as an organization so it's kind of like it's just making sure that everything that you're seeing or you're being inspired by that it's then reflected like you say back into so what does this mean for our organization it might mean oh great in five years time if we could do something like that that would be amazing perhaps we we put a pathway to that you know and that's kind of you know how you balance those two things and it's the same as what you were saying about in terms of i think sometimes when you're trying to grow or you're trying to do a project sometimes you also think to yourself i need to do it in-house we need to go and build it and like you just said sometimes like we've done the same we needed a, we needed a community and we thought oh god should we go and spend all this time trying to build a platform that does articles and like no there's already one out there we need live chat there's already one out there like it's like try and stop trying to recreate i think sometimes you can can't you get so many out-of-the-box solutions that can massively drive you forward without having to go and get some techie just sitting there trying to build something that already exists so i think again that's such a good takeaway yeah, definitely. Prove the concept first and then invest afterwards. <laughs> Absolutely. Find a plugin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> APIs all the way. <laughs> 100%. Okay, so my my final question is with Blood Cancer UK, um, you are the first woman of colour to be on there. What has that actually been like for you, that experience? Honestly, it's it's been amazing from the moment of it being advertised and, you know, the, the chair of, of the board, John, who is, is amazing, you know, offering conversations with everyone to even sort of explain what it's about and, you know, encouraging applications, you know, it, it was really, really accessible. You know, they were really open to diversity and thinking about actually what are the gaps 
within our sort of trustees, you know, one being around digital and fundraising. So that was a, you know, a big part of, you know, what I've, I've, you know, hope and, and continue to, to bring to the board. So it's, it's, it's been really, really amazing. It's been so welcoming and like, a really, really impressive induction program of kind of being buddied up, kind of going to all, all staff meetings, kind of really kind of getting immersed in ultimately what, what Blood Cancer UK do. And they are absolutely there to kind of advocate, research, support the blood cancer community. And I, I've literally seen that. It couldn't be more evident in every single touch point. And so like the last six months have been a, a whirlwind of like, you know, I, I didn't really know what to expect, to be honest. And actually, it's it's been incredible. And I would encourage many, you know, as many people as possible, particularly, you know, women of colour and, and diverse backgrounds, you know, get in there and, and, and help sort of, you know, provide a different perspective. You know, so much of it is, is that it's being open to other mm. experiences and valuing that and, and making sure that that's sort of considered in, in, in the round of, of the organisational strategy. Oh, well, well done to Blood Cancer UK, because that's that's that sounds like such an embracing and positive experience. And I don't think, you know, all around the world that happens everywhere. So that's amazing that they, 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 they've set themselves up to be able to embrace some embrace anybody by the sounds of it in such a positive induction way as well. So massive well done to them and to you. <laughs> <laughs> Brill, well, I just want to say an absolutely massive thank you, um, Lou. You've been absolutely amazing and you're doing so much great work. So I know as well for our listeners, I'm sure they've really, really enjoyed our podcast. But thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I've really enjoyed it. And yeah, I could chat about our sector for beyond. <laughs> so good job. We have a time limit. <laughs> absolutely. So for our listeners, if you would like to find out more about Lou's work, you can visit Manifesto's website at www manifesto.co.uk and you can also find out information about FemMentored at femmentored.mailchimpsites.com did I get that right? Yeah and, and just find us on Twitter as well that that will link through to everything. Yeah and, and obviously FemFest might become a thing you know. Well so. hash, and look out for hashtag FemFest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well we really hope you've enjoyed today's episode and found the session informative Again, as we always stress, if you would like to share your thoughts or suggest any um, other podcasts we should do or any hosts, please, please email podcast at givergy.com. And as always, please do not forget to press subscribe. We are releasing new podcast episodes every two weeks and they're at the moment all focused on thought leadership. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm.